Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Ashley Hollis. Welcome to Change. Welcome to the Eagles pregame party. Um, Let me just tell you that this week I, like, I'm a huge Eagles fan. I like to watch Eagles. My son has gotten me more into sports. He's six years old, and he watches sports, like, on FaceTime with my dad because my parents live in Kansas City. And so they'll turn on FaceTime, and they'll actually watch games together. And my dad's like, okay, Zion, did you see that? Did you see that? Now, do you know what that flag was thrown for? And so my son has gotten Elijah and I into sports. But I've never had Eagles gear. I've never, like, like been a, a diehard fan. So this week when we were getting ready for the Eagles pregame rally, I was like, Lige, we have got to have Eagles gear. So we need to go find some. So we went out Thursday looking for Eagles gear, which was probably one of the funniest decisions we've ever made in our lives because I was calling around and I was like, to to the different stores, TJ Maxx and Marshalls and Target, you know, hey, do you guys have any Eagles gear? And the girls on the other end would be like, good luck. I was like, I know, everyone's trying to find Eagles gear. So I'm excited for this. Welcome to the pregame rally. If you did not get snacks on your way in, I hope you grab those, grab some friends, take some pictures at the photo booth. Um, My name's Ashley. Elijah and I are lead pastors here, and you'll notice that we're sat a little different at change. We do believe in doing life together. So we are seated around tables because we do think life happens in circles, not rows. That's why we are all about change groups. And listen, if you were here last week, Elijah got to give a plug for his own group, and I was very jealous. So I'm going to give a plug for my group. Girls, we are going to have so much fun Friday night, 7 o'clock. We are going to go out to dinner, and we're going to get to meet some new friends, hang out. And so if you haven't gotten to sign up for a group, grab a group sheet in the middle of your table. You can do it at the Change Church app as well as on the website. And jump into a group. Let me tell you, we are like huge believers in groups because we believe 100% that we can walk through life together. And how many know sometimes you have the highs and you want someone to celebrate with, and then you have the lows, and you're like, what am I going to do? My whole world is crumbling around me. And we all have to walk through those, and we're going to have to walk through them. It's just a whole lot easier to walk through them when we do it together, right? And so we are all about that. Grab a change group. Um, It's going to be very fun. I am talking today. We are in the middle of a series, My City, My Time. This has probably been my favorite series here at Change Yet that we've done. Um, It is all about the life of Nehemiah. And I love the story of Nehemiah because Nehemiah is just a regular guy. I feel like I can so relate with Nehemiah because some stories in the Bible, right, are like it was a priest or it was a king. And it was like these super powerful, wisdom-filled individuals. And then you have Nehemiah, who's a regular person that God sets up for such a time as this to rebuild the wall 
of Jerusalem. And, and I love it, too, because if you look in Nehemiah, you can look back over his life and see God set him up, and he was serving as cupbearer to the king. And he had, they, they had been brought into captivity, and then he had been elevated to this place of, of prominence in, this, in the kingdom, and so now he was cupbearer to the king. And I love it because God set Nehemiah up for the vision that he was going to give Nehemiah, right? And how many of you know sometimes things don't make sense, and sometimes we look back and we're like, why did that happen? Why did I have to go through that? Or why was that said? But I do feel like God has given each of us a vision to accomplish. And we can look back and we can see, wow, God, you led my steps and you got me here and you got me here so that I can go there. And I came here so I can go there. And so I love the story of Nehemiah. Elijah talked during week one. He talked all about fasting and he talked about the wall of Jerusalem and how Nehemiah cried because the wall was broken, because the safety of the people had been destroyed. And so we started a week of fasting and prayer on that first Sunday of 2018, and it was incredible. And I'm telling you, I, like, I heard the voice of God so clearly, so strong that week, and Elijah challenged us, what wall are you crying over? What has God put in your heart that you're crying over? Is it restored relationships? Is it the next generation? Is it, I don't know what it may be in your life, but I know that there's a wall that God has set up. And he asked us, what wall are we crying over? And then in week two, he continued on and he talked about how Nehemiah came to the king and he was sad in the king, in front of the king. And in those days, if you were sad in the king's presence, like it could be bad, right? Like it could be like punishable by death. Like there could be like major consequences for being sad in the presence of the king. And Nehemiah came in and he was sad and the king said, why? And he said, well, here's what I would like to do. And the king was like, okay, great. And what do you need? And Nehemiah was like, well, I need this and I need papers to go ahead of me. And I also need you to write letters for this so that I can have the wood and everything I need to rebuild the wall. And Elijah talked and I wrote this line down because I didn't want to forget it. He said, when we prioritize his presence, he prioritizes the, our provision. When we prioritize his presence, God prioritizes our provision. And he talked about how Nehemiah had spent time with God. He had spent time in the presence of God knowing, what do I need? Where am I going? What am I going to accomplish? So that when he got in front of the king, the king said, okay, Nehemiah, what do you need? And Nehemiah knew exactly what he needed. And Elijah challenged us, do we know yet what we need? Like if somebody walked up to me, and this is what he said last week, if somebody walked up and said, Ashley, with all you guys are doing with Change Church and your heart for city transformation, what do you need? Do I have an answer? Or do I just know, um, I don't know. I just want to transform a city. That's just my vision. And Nehemiah had spent time with God, and so he knew what he needed. And he was, therefore, given the provision that he needed to go and see this wall rebuilt. And so I'm going to pick up, and Elijah asked me to share this week on the opposition that came against Nehemiah and those who were rebuilding the wall. And I had been preparing all week 
um, for today, and I was getting excited, and I'm going to share with you from Nehemiah 4. I want to really dig into this scripture, but um, I, I really felt, and Elijah and I were talking this week, and I was like, you know, I feel like opposition always provides an opportunity. Like when opposition comes against you or against what you're trying to do or something, there's always an opportunity for something else. It's just hard to look at that. And so we've been talking about it all week. And and you'll notice I'm, I'm preaching from my iPhone today. So last night, our car was broken into, and um, the people who broke in took Elijah's computer bag with, like, all of our computers, iPads, like, everything that we had. And so I'm sitting there, and we're, you know, walking through this and having to answer the police officers, and I'm just like, by the way, shout out to our 26th district here, police department. They're incredible. Like, I literally, I'm making them cookies today to take to them tomorrow because they are so incredible. They came right out, took care of everything, got it all under control. But I'm sitting there last night and I'm like, okay, like I just got done preparing all week for these couple weeks, you know, that opposition provides opportunity. And when something comes against you, it's okay because there's always an opportunity. And then last night I had to live that out. And I was like, oh man, this does kind of stink, doesn't it? Like, this is terrible. And opposition is never fun when it comes against us, but we know that it's going to come against us. And so I guess it's not the question today, well, when, like, what opposition do you have or are you going to have opposition? It's how are you going to handle the opposition when it comes your way? Because that was our choice last night was we can either sit and we can be like, this is terrible, which it was a bummer. And we had to go through a list of everything. But I was like, but you know what? We have to keep walking forward. It was a bummer, but it was things. And we have to keep walking forward even in the midst of this opposition. And so today, I want to talk with us just for a minute about some things that we can get in place, about some questions that we can ask ourselves, that we can learn from the story of Nehemiah, so that when the opposition comes, we're ready to continue plowing through it, right? Because we don't want opposition to take us down, but we have to keep moving against the opposition. And if you um, didn't grab a journal yet this year, um, we have My City, My Time journals right in the middle of the table. Grab one of those. Take notes today. Take notes in your phone, whatever you want to do. Um, I want to give us, at the end of today, when I'm done speaking, I want to give us some questions that we can apply to our lives. I don't want this to be like, oh, that was a great little experience today, and then I'm going to move on. I want to equip you today to dig into some things this week as you're preparing for whatever vision God's called you to. Another thing I would challenge you with in that journal is leave the first page empty and define your year. Elijah challenged us week one, and you can listen to the podcast on the app from the first Sunday. He challenged us. It was Actually, it was New Year's Eve, wasn't it? Yeah, New Year's Eve. He challenged us to define our year in a word. What word is going to define your year this year? Because we are not going to be a church. We are not going to be a people that have things done to us, but we are going to define, we're going to title our year and walk in that. And so for Elijah and I, our word is rise, and we're going to rise to the occasion. We're going to rise to the demands that are put on us. And so that was the word that we chose for our family, and already we're what, like three weeks in, and we've had plenty of opportunities to have to rise to the occasion. And so I would challenge you to take that word, title your year. I love doing that. Um, let's read today in Nehemiah 4, okay? 
And I want to just kind of hang out in this, and I think the scriptures will be on the screens as well. It says, chapter 4 of Nehemiah, verse 1, says, When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what, are, what they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come up and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I, being Nehemiah, stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes." When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, that God had frustrated, um, and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. We are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. Wow. So we have Nehemiah, right? And just to put it in context, Nehemiah and all the people are rebuilding this wall around an entire city. They're, they're rebuilding this massive wall and everyone's spread out. And as their enemies begin to throw insults and say, oh, they're never going to be able to do that. I don't know if any of you have ever heard that before, but I do believe opposition starts 
with the ridicule, doesn't it? Opposition starts with doubt. Opposition starts with somebody saying, oh, you think you're going to do that? Okay, well, they've tried that before. Oh, look at what they're trying to build. Look at what they're trying to use. Like, I, I was reading this, and I was really imagining myself. And sometimes I feel like when you're reading the Bible, you have to put yourself in that story because it's easy to read the Bible when we know the end of the story, right? We're like, it's going to be great, and they rebuilt the wall in record time, and it was so awesome. But if you put yourself in that moment, you don't know the end of the story. And I feel like that's where a lot of us are. Right now, we're in the middle of our own story, right? And we don't know what the end is going to look like. But we know what we've been called to, but we can't see when it's going to be done, and we can't see if it's going to be done. But it's what God's spoken to us, so we believe in our hearts it's going to be done, and we work at it with all our hearts. The workers were working with all their hearts. Nehemiah was keeping them motivated. He was putting things in place. And then in the beginning of chapter 4, you have the people coming and saying, what, are they, what, what they're building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down that wall of stones. And I was sitting there, and when I read that, I kind of laughed because I was like, oh, my word, that's so funny. Like, it's a wall around a city. Like, probably a fox is not going to break down this wall. But then I thought in my head, wow, but if I were standing there and I were building this wall or my husband was building this wall for the safety of my family and all I'm hearing from the outside is ridicule and all I'm hearing is, oh, we can go attack them now. Oh, isn't that funny? They think that they can build a wall, but even a fox can knock that down. And I wonder what kind of doubt would go through my mind as I'm sitting here looking at these like mountains of rubble and stones and rocks, right? We all know that's hard work. Like I've, I've moved rocks. I've done that kind of stuff on missions trips and it is hard work. And I can't imagine if I were trying to move all this stuff and I'm hearing in my ear, man, that's not even going to work. Man, we're just going to attack them. And then I wonder what doubt would come in. And then I wonder what I would begin to question, right? Have you ever had that happen in your life where somebody says something to you? I know I've had that happen when Lige and I have visions and we're like, we believe God's calling us to this and we're going to launch this church and we believe we're called to do this for the next generation. And people are like, yeah, but that's not going to work because, oh, that's a great idea, but the next generation, da, 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 da fill in the blank, right? Like it could be anything. And I don't know what it is for you, but it may be your marriage that right now you're building up and you're building this wall and you're taking rocks and you're trying to rebuild this. And you're sitting here and people are saying, yeah, but it's never worked in our family before. Yeah, but that's not going to work because of what you've gone through. Maybe you're trying to raise kids and you're like, I, I'm there with you, man. I'm trying to raise a six and a four-year-old and I'm like, I'm going to raise them to be world changers and I want them to lead the way and I want them to be incredible adults. And man, I'm like pouring into them and then people are speaking things like, oh, well, I remember when our kids were like that, then this happened. Or, oh, yep, kids are cute when they're yet young. Wait till they get to 12 or wait till they get to 13. And I'm like, Oh, my word. Like, stop speaking that over my vision of world changers, right? Anybody else ever had that fight raise up in you? Like, stop speaking that over my marriage. Stop speaking that over my vision. And so I believe that, like in Nehemiah 4, opposition always starts with threats. 
And then when the threats don't work, right, Nehemiah said, okay, great, they're threatening us. And I love Nehemiah as a leader because he's kind of just a take charge person, which he's like, okay, just hurl those insults back on their heads. And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to station people around. I'm going to set up a communication system with the trumpet. If you hear that, come here. Everyone's going to be on guard. I need soldiers here. I need half the people working. And Nehemiah is just like, I mean, he's just like reacting, right? He's like, okay, we got this. We're going to keep going. No, I am going to build this wall. This is what I was called to do. And so he walks through this whole ridiculing and everything, and he sets up all of these parameters in place, right? He sets everything up so that the people can keep building. And then when that doesn't work, when the insults don't take Nehemiah and the people down, then the other leaders get angry, right? They get more angry because they're like, wait, Nehemiah and the people went further. We thought we were going to stop them. We thought we were going to attack them. And now they went further. Now the wall's being built. And so I want to jump ahead to chapter 6 because this chapter and in the Bible, this chapter, like the actual section title for it is Further Opposition to the Rebuilding. And I think that's so crazy because I feel like sometimes the opposition comes and we make it through the opposition and we make it through the, the threats and we make it through the ridiculing and we make it through the lies and we make it through the gossip and, and we walk through all this. And then it says with Nehemiah, further opposition to the rebuilding. And I want to read a few of these verses starting in Nehemiah 6 verse 1. And it says, when word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. I love Nehemiah. I love it that every time they're like, no, come hang out. Let's meet. Like, can't you picture that? Like, hey, let's talk about what you've done. Hey, let's meet in this valley. And Nehemiah's like, no, I know that they're plotting against me. So for four times, he sent the exact same answer. Then the fifth time, Sambalat went, uh, sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, According to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. I, being Nehemiah, sent him this reply. Nothing like you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. And I want to finish in these last few verses. It says in Nehemiah 6, verse 10, One day I went to the house of Shem uh, Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, 
has anyone ever thought what it would be like if we talked like that? Like, can you imagine if it was like, I hung out with Ashley, daughter of Phil and Sherry, son of, like, that's so crazy. But anyways, okay, sorry, that was a side note. Um, one day I went to him, let's see, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. This is was such a game changer for me when I read this because personally I have had people that have come and have said things and have come against visions and have come against I mean, you name it. it I always you know my parents always said if somebody's not talking about you you're not doing anything and I'm like I know but it's just so hard at the same time and so I'm good people talk I'm like okay that's whatever like we'll just keep walking forward but then when the further opposition comes to the rebuilding, that further opposition came in the case of opportunities. Opportunities to sin. Opportunities to run. Opportunities. And so I, I wrote this down, you know, they, um, in Numbers we find out that it was, um, it was a sin for any layman, a regular person, to enter the temple. And so in this moment that he's presenting to me, Nehemiah, oh my word, Nehemiah, everyone's trying to kill you. You've got to run. Look, let's hide in the temple. We'll hide in the temple. We'll close the doors. Like everyone wants you dead. And can you imagine that moment? You're like, Nehemiah, like, wow, thanks. Like everybody wants to kill me. Okay. But in that moment, Nehemiah had spent time with God that he was able to have his response prepared. Because when opportunities arose for Nehemiah to let his guard down, he was prepared. And I believe wholeheartedly, and please write this down, God does not call us to live a life of fear, but he calls us to live a life of discernment. And I think that as we walk with God, and as we know, and as we hear from God, and as we spend time with God, and that's why, man, your devotions in the morning, get a Bible app on your phone, find somebody to hold you accountable. I don't know what that looks like for your life. I know what mine looks like. We all are going to have different devotions, but that time is so important because God is sharpening you to know what he's calling you to and what he's calling you not to do and what you need to walk towards and what you need to walk away from. And in those moments, Nehemiah knew that God was said it like God was paving the way they were doing this wall they were getting it all built and at this time the wall had been completely built except for the doors being put on and his enemy said come let's talk let's meet in the valley of Ono and I want to challenge us to be on guard against opposition and then further opposition because I believe that as you're walking in this vision and as you're following what God has called you to do I believe that there are so many opportunities that will present themselves that may look good but they may not be God right has anyone ever had that I know Elijah and I as we were launching change and 
we were just getting ready to, to launch this, which is crazy, guys. It's been like three and a half months. Like we've been launched as a church. So exciting. But as we were walking through that year of launching change, I remember every decision, every step we would come to, and it would be a door, and, and there would be an opportunity that would be presented. And Elijah and I had to pray and say, is this what God called us to, or is this setting us up? And then we would walk a little further, and we would say, okay, is this a good opportunity, or is this a God opportunity? And there are so many opportunities that will try to present themselves as God. That's, what, that's what's so incredible to me about this because it's this man who's spoken into his life and says, come, let's hide in the temple. But at that time, Nehemiah couldn't step in the temple. You know, in the Old Testament days, it was a sin for anyone other than the priest lineage to set foot in the temple. And so this isn't just about Oh, well, Nehemiah didn't want to run because he wanted to save his life and be brave. Yeah, that's awesome. But Nehemiah was set up to sin. He was set up that if he had stepped into that temple, it would discredit everything that God had set him up for. And why did Nehemiah know not to step foot into that temple? Because he was living a life of discernment not fear. He wasn't running for his life. See, living a life of fear, I believe, would have put him in that life of sin. I believe that if he had been living a life of fear, he would have run right into the temple. I mean, wouldn't you? Somebody's going to try to kill you, Nehemiah. Run, run, go to the temple. And had he been living a life of fear, he would have stepped into that temple. And had he stepped into that temple, it would have discredited everything that he had been set up to do. And I want to leave you with these five questions, because like I said, I, I want this to be something that we can apply. I know for me, I obviously have been applying this this week already last night. What am I going to do in the face of opposition? Because when we're prepared for opposition, Nehemiah, they built that wall in 52 days. Have you ever thought about 52 days? Like, that is no time at all. We're 21 days already into January. And don't you feel like you've blinked since New Year's? They built this wall in 52 days. And I believe this is the reason. Question number one, like Elijah said, what wall are you rebuilding? I believe that unless we know what our mission is, the opposition can send us in a million different directions. If you don't know what you're rebuilding, what you're working at, what you're doing, then opposition will send you in a hundred different directions because you'll run from this one. And then, oh my word, that person said something. Okay, so I need to do this. And oh my word, they said my kids can't do that. Okay, I got to try this. And you're going to spend your whole life ricocheting between decision to decision without knowing what you're really doing. Nehemiah knew we're rebuilding a wall and this is what it's all about in this moment is rebuilding this wall. Question number two, who are you in the eyes of those following you? I was, um, I was talking about this um, with my dad because I, like I grew up, my dad was a pastor and he preached Nehemiah all the time. And when he found out we were doing the sermon series, he's so cute. He actually sent all his sermon notes to Elijah and I. And he was like, guys, do you want to see what I used to speak about Nehemiah? And he was so excited about it. But they, in question number two, it says, who are you in the eyes of those following you? And when my dad and I were talking about it, I was saying it's crazy because they sent four requests to Nehemiah 
to come down to the Valley of Ono. Four requests. And he answered them the same four times. And when he wouldn't give in, they took it a step further and they came with, what was it? An, un, an unsealed letter, an open letter, which then would have been read to all the people. I feel like in modern day, that's kind of like a social media post, right? Like, I feel like if we had unsealed letters, that would be like Facebook. Like, hey, here's what I think of such and such, or here's what I experienced there, or whatever. But I would ask you, who are you in the eyes of those following you? Because even when the opposition came, they did not question Nehemiah. Because they knew the people who he was serving with knew who Nehemiah was. And that's such a big question. And I was, I've been wrestling with that for like, I don't even know how long. Like, do people know who I am? If something were said, do people know who I am? Do people know what I stand for? Do people know what my vision is to know this is what you're rebuilding? This is why you're doing it? And so I would challenge you to ask the same question. Who are you in the eyes of, of those around you? I wrote down this line. Reputation is rising above with a response. I think that your reputation will be defined when you rise above the opposition with a response. And that's where your reputation will be. If we were like reputation equals, like a math problem, like that's what your reputation is going to be. Question number three, what opposition are you facing? Nehemiah and the people, they were aware of the opposition. You know, I can't imagine if Nehemiah as a leader had been like, no, it's good, guys. Don't even worry about it. Like, we're totally good. It's going to be awesome. I would be freaking out. I don't know about you, but if I'm living in a city with a wall that's destroyed, which is supposed to protect me, and now this opposition is coming against me, Nehemiah knew what opposition was coming against him. And I would challenge you, what opposition is coming against you? Because opposition is so much better handled if you can look it straight in the eyes, walk straight into it with prayer, and know that God is going before you. God is moving on your behalf with the opposition. Question number four, what safeguards do you need to put in place against the opposition? You know, uh, there, I don't know what it is for you. There may be voices that you need to not allow to speak into your life again. There may be situations that you need to choose to remove yourself from because that's a safeguard that you need to put in place. Elijah and I talk all the time about setting up a battle plan. We have a battle plan for our family that this is how we're going to handle things. This is what we're going to do with our kids because we've put safeguards in place. Nehemiah put safeguards in place when opposition came against him. He said, that's no problem. You guys are going to be like on lookout. You guys are going to be on guard. I'm going to have a trumpet as a communication system. Here's how we're going to handle everything because Nehemiah was ready. Nehemiah had safeguards in place. And I would ask us, what safeguards do we need to put in place? What safeguards need to be put in place for your reputation? What safeguards need to be put in place? Maybe you're building your walk with God. What safeguards need to be put in place? Maybe you need to set aside certain time each day. What safeguards are being put in place for your relationships, for your friendships, for what you're walking through? And the last question I wrote down is, how will you answer opposition? And, and I love this quote that I read in a book, and it says, 
one of the greatest marks of maturity is being able to say no with absolutely no explanation. How will you answer when opposition comes to you? We know it's going to come. We know we've been called to an incredible vision. Nehemiah, and if you continue reading the story, and I know Elijah's going to keep going with it next week, Nehemiah was called to incredible things. And that's what I love is this story isn't just about opposition. It's about moving through the opposition to the vision that God's called us through. And so I would ask us, how are we going to answer to the opposition? When things are said, do you have a response? I love that Nehemiah knew right what he was going to say. No, I'm working on a great work, and I can't come down there with you. What is your response to when friends ask you things? What is your response when people begin to speak things over your life? What is your response when maybe a doubt comes into your mind? Do you have a response planned for that opposition? You know, I I love it because in the last part of this, this chapter, we find out that they rebuilt the wall in 52 days, which is just, like I said, unheard of. And I believe that they did that because they were able to walk full on straight into the opposition and move towards the vision that God had given them. And so as we close today, if you would bow your heads, if you would close your eyes, I just want to pray today over each of us. I want to pray that God begins to speak vision into us, that God begins to give us clarity as to where we're going, as to how we're to handle what may come against us, that God would strengthen us right now for whatever may come. And if that's you with all eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and say, you know what, I've been feeling some opposition. Maybe it's been in a relationship. Maybe it's been walking towards your future. But if that's you and you would say, I've been feeling some opposition, would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love it that we can walk through this together. God, I thank you that you have called each of us to an incredible vision, God, that you have planned for us to do amazing things in your name. And God, right now, I pray for each individual here. God, as they are walking in and as opposition is coming at them, as they're accomplishing what you've called them to accomplish, God, I pray that you would strengthen their hands. As Nehemiah said, would you strengthen their hands? Would you set them up ready to walk ready to charge through this opposition. God, that the vision you've called them to would come to pass and would come to pass swiftly, God. We trust you, God. I thank you for restored relationships. I thank you that you are speaking life into dead places. God, I thank you that you are restoring relationships. God, I thank you that no matter what the opposition may be, We know that we can trust you far above anything that we may see, that you are the one we can trust, God. And in this day, we pray that you would walk with us, go into this week with us. God, unite us together in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to move into a a time of worship through our giving. And I, I love this offering time, and I love being able to give back of what God has blessed us with. And Elijah and I were talking this week, and I want to share with you just a little story of what God's been doing. You know, at Change, we say we're all about city transformation, and we're all about creating partnerships that are going to change the city as we know it. And it was incredible in November, I believe it was, we did Change Our City Outreach, and we went and served, and we partnered with three local chefs, right? 
And so we had three local chefs from the Food Network channels, and they came out, and they partnered with us to each serve food to a different shelter in the city here, and they gave of their time and talents. And Chad Rosenthal, and I, I would love, we're going to post this on our social media, so follow Change Social Media. But Chain, uh, Chad Rosenthal was a chef that we partnered with, and he sat down at one of the tables with one of the gentlemen at the shelter, and he began to talk to him that day. And the guy was telling Chad how he used to be a chef and how it was so hard and what he had fallen into with life and everything. And from that day, Chad was so inspired. And he was like, we have to do something. Like, what can I do? And so he called us, I guess it was maybe... Um, two weeks ago, yeah, on a Sunday, I got a text, and he was like, hey, I need to talk to you and Elijah about something, whatever, and so I talked to him, and I find out that he's opening these new restaurants here in Philadelphia, right here, 10th and Spring Garden, and a couple others, but he's actually going to set one of his restaurants up as a commissary that, that like, makes all his dry rubs and his sauces, and then it ships them out and stuff, and so because of that service day and how that moved him, he's actually going to be employing those who may be in shelters around the city. And he's going to be giving them opportunities to get into the workforce and teaching them life skills. And I was so excited when I found out because I was like, that's what this is going to look like. It's going to be each of us doing one thing, doing one thing with what we've been given, right? Elijah and I's talents will look very different than what Chad's talent looks like. I can't cook like that. I wish I could, but like, I can't, I can't cook like that, but he uses his talent. And so I want to thank you before we get ready to give for being a generous church that makes opportunities like that possible. Because of what this church was able to invest in Change Our City back in November, Chad now is taking it far beyond what we could have ever imagined with what's coming in and the training and the it's just multiplying like mass amounts on what was invested into that day and the lives that are going to be changed. So I would thank you so much for being such a generous church. And I want to pray before we um, do this offering. God, I thank you for what you've blessed us with. I thank you for the opportunities, the talent, the treasure, the time that you have blessed each of us with. And God, right now, I pray that you would take this money and God, that you would take it further than any of us could. God, I pray lives continue to be changed in our city and beyond. God, we love you and we trust you in your name. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at This Is Change PHL. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.